Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is not according to your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. Have you ever had a have you, have you ever had a really long day? Oh, a really long day. For these two in the scripture passage this morning, still reeling from the crucifixion. That's what's going on here in Luke. They're still reeling from the crucifixion. This day that they're in must have felt like the longest day imaginable. Rob Bell explains why. He says they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, the village they left to follow him, and how embarrassed they must be. Can you imagine returning to your hometown after having made such an error in judgment? dropping everything to follow this man because you thought he was going to be something that he just wasn't. It was about seven and a half miles to get to Emmaus and every step took them farther from their friends in Jerusalem and brought them closer and closer to that moment of certain shame in their hometown. We got it wrong. But somewhere along the way, this mysterious man falls in alongside them and abruptly asks why they are so sad. And then the one named Cleopas, perhaps mystified that this strange person has been so bold with them, rebuffs him, saying, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place in these recent days? And the man, unfazed, this is Jesus playing dumb, says, What things? And then, as if stupefied, they respond to things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. In other words, these two, they're one back to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They thought they were going to be part of some revolution, the kind of revolution that occurred a couple of hundred years earlier with the Maccabean revolt. But unlike the Maccabees who failed, this Jesus was going to deliver them. They were sure of it. They were... They were going to be freed. All their people would be freed from the heavy weight of Roman rule. But that's not where they are today. They got it wrong. 
They got it wrong. This is not the way that things were supposed to go. It had been a long day. Have you ever had a really long day? I bet you have. I bet you have. I have. Now, sometimes when I've had a really long day, it's because someone has failed me. And sometimes when I've had a really long day, it's because some force of nature has taken something from me. But many times when I've had a really long day, it's because I'm as talented as anyone else in the art of making a mistake. Are you as talented as I am? <laughs> and sometimes these mistakes, they leave us needing to key in on that phrase, today's phrase in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, and sometimes that, that need for forgiveness comes from having made a very serious mistake. Those are the longest of days. Sometimes having to say that phrase and really focus in on that phrase and really ask for forgiveness, it comes because we've made a ridiculous mistake. One that maybe we can laugh about years later. Don't we all need a laugh these days? And so, it was just hours before my girlfriend's senior prom. I arrived at her house looking awkward, hard to believe, I know. <laughs> I was in a black tux, one I'd rented from the mall. She came outside to meet me in uh, this simple gown that she made look perfect. We took pictures on her parents' front lawn and then we hopped in my pickup truck, ready for the big night. I was especially excited because I'd made reservations for Rolando's <laughs> for dinner before the prom. It was a swanky French place. Well, as swanky as they get in rural Maine. <laughs> before we went to dinner, I had to make a stop at the cash machine. I pulled up to the drive-through kiosk. In went my card. In went my password. Out came not cash, but a receipt. Anybody ever get that receipt before? Insufficient funds? <laughs> There must be some mistake. In went my card, in went my password. Out came not cash, but a receipt, insufficient funds. There must be some mistake. My girlfriend looked at me with a very worried look on her face. This can't be. I just deposited my paycheck. I know I'm broke most of the time, but I did. I, I, I deposited the paycheck. One more time, in went my card, in went my password, out came not cash, 
but a receipt. Nate, when did you deposit your check? Yesterday. Nate, sometimes it takes a few days for a check to clear. And there I was, long after banking hours, sitting next to a sweet and beautiful young woman with an empty wallet in my hand and a reservation about to go unfulfilled. She was clearly disappointed and I felt like a fool and all I could do was what? <sighs> Ask for forgiveness. Say, I'm sorry. This wasn't the way things were supposed to go. This has been a very long day. I made a mistake. Forgive me. It was so easy in that moment to say I'm sorry, to ask for forgiveness, so much easier than it usually is. Don't we have such a difficult time professing guilt? Saying I'm sorry. Sometimes we even fly over this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. I think it must be the fastest phrase said in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why do we go so fast through that phrase? We fly over it. And when we do think about it, let's face it. When we think about this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, we spend our time dwelling on whether we should say debts or debtors or trespasses and those who trespass against us. That's really the conversation about this phrase. And if we say debts, why do we say debts? I get that question all the time. It's a translation situation, just so you know. And if we say debts and other people in the congregation say trespasses, should we as good Presbyterians wait for them to finish or run right over them? I know you're tempted. That's not how we say it here. That's where the mind goes on this phrase. And I wonder if our mind goes there as a way of avoiding the need to profess guilt together. To say, I'm sorry, I stand in need of forgiveness. I've gotten it wrong. It's been a long day. It's not the way things were supposed to go. We need to say it. We need to say it together, especially on a day like today, a communion Sunday. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer suggests that sin, I love this, sin must come to light at some time, he says. It is better that it happens today between me and another believer rather than on the last day in the bright light of the final judgment. You have a choice, Bonhoeffer says, and yet some part of each of us thinks, you know what, I think I'll wait to the final judgment, I'm good. I don't want to do it today. Bonhoeffer dreams, I love this, Bonhoeffer dreams of a community, you imagine this kind of community, where the day before the Lord's Supper, they'll gather together and the members of the community with one another will each ask for the other's forgiveness for wrongs committed. 
He says, anyone who avoids this path to another believer cannot go to the table well prepared. Hmm. Today, we will, we will, for the first time in over a year, have communion here at the Kirk without a pre-packaged kit. Amen? All right. Now, here at the Kirk, we have a group of tremendous volunteers led by, where is she? The blessed Bobby Tallinger. And she organizes our dates and our servers, and they all come early on the communion Sundays to prepare the trays and, and slice the bread and fill the little cups with juice. But at least according to Bonhoeffer, the work of their preparation is in vain if each of us does not take part in meal preparation of our own. Our meal prep does not have us around paper napkins and silver trays. Our Meal prep does not include slicing bread or pouring juice. Our meal prep has us praying the words, forgive us, really and intentionally praying the words, forgive us. It's been a long day and I've got to admit that this was not the way that things were supposed to go. I'm walking back to Emmaus when I'm supposed to be in Jerusalem. And I'm part, I'm a big part of the reason why. And then I think that alongside Bonhoeffer, this meal begins to mean something. It, it begins to matter in a way that maybe it didn't matter before. You know, I have people ask me all the time, when do you think people should be able to take communion? And I tell them, you may be familiar with other traditions that have what we call a closed table. In those traditions, access is only granted to those that are approved in some way. That's not us. We have what is called an open table. Anyone can come. But Nate, they say, what about children? Children can't possibly understand what is going on in communion. They shouldn't take it, should they? And I've always resisted that notion because I have to wonder if any of us really understands what's going on in communion anyway. John Calvin famously said, I'd rather experience it than understand it. But now I'm wondering if I should go even further with that notion because I wonder if children are far better suited for receiving the supper than almost every adult because children are far more likely to say I'm sorry children are far more likely to admit that they've gone the wrong way they're far more likely to do the prep so that the meal can matter like maybe it didn't before. When you partake in the Lord's Supper, at least in this church, the question isn't, are you welcome? It's, are you ready? 
still ready or not, you're not going to be turned away from this table. But I can't say the same for Rolando's in Lewiston, Maine. No cash meant no table. I am so sorry, I told her. This was not the way things were supposed to go. And she sighed and she started picking through the change in my little ashtray. She found a handful of quarters and a couple of dimes and said, let's just drive through Arby's. And we did. I can't remember anything about that dance, but I'll never forget the two of us eating regular roast beef sandwiches and curly fries in the front of my pickup truck, trying to keep Arby's sauce off of our formal wear and laughing about what a fool I was. And can you believe she still married me a few years later. <laughs> I said sorry. She forgave me. We ate. And then we fell in love a little bit more. I said, sorry, she forgave me, we ate, and then we fell in love a little bit more. At least that's what she tells me. It wasn't Rolando's, but it was in a way communion. That meal will always mean something to us, it will matter, and I hope that this matters too. We say sorry knowing that God will forgive us in his mercy and his grace, and then we eat, and then we fall in love a little bit more. We say, sorry, God forgives us. We eat, and then we fall in love a little bit more. This is the pattern of our lives. We say, sorry, God forgives us. We eat, and then we fall in love a little bit more. Fall in love with God. Fall in love with God's mercy. Fall in love with God's gift of each other, the people that we're with in this room today. Fall in love with the blessing of family, the blessing of friends. Fall in love with strangers who are in need. Fall in love with the whole world. Fall in love with every day, even the long days. Because at the end of them, we can know what those disciples knew at the end of that day on the road to Emmaus. As they gathered around a meal with the living Jesus, they knew that no matter what they had done, no matter what we have done, he forgives us. Believe it. Amen.